Hey, welcome to Truth, Lies, Shenanigans podcast. Social commentary, hot topics, amazing guests with a ton of fun and shenanigans along the way. This week's podcast, we have a very special guest. As most of our audience is aware, my wonderful city of College Park was shocked and appalled. And frequent guest on this show, oh. Mayor Patrick Wollyon, former Mayor Patrick Wollyon, was arrested for child pornography. For the most part, our city councils remain quiet on the matter, but today we have College Park Council member Kate Kennedy sharing her thoughts publicly for the first time. We'll also talk in depth about her career on the council, her plans for the city going forward, and she just might have a big announcement to make. Plus, we're talking about the safety of our money in banks, the resurgence of vinyl records, and the uproar over farming octopi. <laughs> you can watch us live on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitch TV. We'll be trolling your comments yep. on YouTube and Facebook at TLS Live Show or TLSShow.com. So feel free to join in the conversation. As always, I've got to introduce you to my co-hosts. First up, we have our nature lover, gamer, rock star, coming to you from Ontario, Canada, Mr. Robbie Rock. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's great to be back for another Sunday. Yeah. Um, my wife and I have been binging Fear Factor for some Fear reason. Fear Factor? Okay. Yeah, it's right? an interesting yeah. binge. <laughs> it's one of Rogan pleasures. If we talk about how we would tackle different challenges and mm -hmm. the strategy and communication aspect of it, not to be confused with completing any of the challenges because crazy intense. You're not eating donkey penis and stuff like that? <laughs> when aren't or you? cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> I so, love your so back there. Not Wednesday nights. <laughs> the show was crazy. No. It oh was my God. crazy. It is so crazy. And some of the couples ones just... Oh, they talk to one another. Nasty. My wife and I are like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Your wife, no. Jose, says we would totally kick butt. Yeah. Dr. Rochelle Thompson's on YouTube. She says, aha, farming octopi. <laughs> and you guys look refreshed. <laughs> All right. All right. Nice. Next up, our college student model, business owner, streaming from Atlanta, Georgia, Gianni Storm. Actually, I'm now in Stone Mountain, Georgia. I'm a Stone ah, Mountain. Stone Mountain. <laughs> but I'm um, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes from Atlanta. I love it here. I have a fireplace. It's going to be cute. Next time you guys see me, it's going to look better. It's just, I just moved in. Okay, so give me a break. But there's a lake nearby. It's just beautiful. It's it's such a safe environment. It's a gated community. I just feel so much better in this place. So I'm grateful. Nice. Oh, yeah, you were struggling yeah. in another place. At least your car won't get broken into now. Maybe. Yeah, my car fingers is crossed. my Kia is <laughs> right. Fingers crossed. So we're still in Georgia. We're still around Atlanta, guys. So <laughs> it's, it's the chances are still there. <laughs> but no, we're doing good. Good, good. I'm glad you're doing awesome. Better. All right. And of course, I am your host, Neo Nix. I just came back from a, a business trip in Anaheim, California. And, you know, I was hoping to kind of get away, get some nice warm weather from this East Coast weather from the winter. And oh, you and got I, the rain, right? Yes, it was raining. The first two days I was there, nonstop rain. It was cold. <laughs> Just and then, your luck. then I was only there. I was only there four days. And yeah. the next two days, it was freezing. I was like, you, 
You know, what happened oh to goodness. it never rains in Southern California and then beautiful weather. It was just, I even went to the beach one of those days and it was just freezing. Had jackets on, cold. jeans. Yes, cold. It was, I might as well have you been here. You didn't experience. Yeah. <laughs> I might as well have been here. It was, it was, it was cold. So I'm Good not. Day. And a matter of fact, just before I went, they had like three feet of snow or something. It's like Canada up in there. In know. Southern California? Yeah. Southern you, California. Yes. You oh my wish goodness. it was like Canada there. <laughs> yeah, you're like negative 52 degrees or something. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> nobody nobody wants to be in Canada anyway. <laughs> Different. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into the show. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we have a fantastic guest, Council Member Kate Kennedy. Hey, Kate, welcome. Welcome welcome to the show. How are you? Hello, excited to be here. Really excited to be here. You know, I... I've been listening to your show all week in preparation for this, and I'm, I've been absolutely loving it. The, the term or the phrase that keeps coming back to me is healthy discourse. That's what you guys are about, oh, which I really, I really like it and appreciate it. We're going to put that healthy in healthy something. Discourse. We're going to start advertising healthy discourse. I like it. And I, know, I, like I mean, that. I love the... Yeah, I love the song. I love, it's good. It's good. I love it. Thank you. All right. So let Thank me introduce you, Kate. Kate Kennedy. She's serving in her third term as council member for District 1 of College Park, Maryland. As council member, she currently chairs the Community Preservation Trust and has previously chaired the council committee to improve the committee structure and also brought an English language tutoring program to a local elementary school. She advocates for a more inclusive and welcoming College Park because she believes a neighborhood should be more than a collection of strangers. It should be a community. In her day job, Kate is a nonprofit fundraising executive, raising funds for youth-centered and civic engagement organizations, and currently is fundraising for a national nonprofit working to end childhood hunger. She has an MBA nice. from Georgetown University, undergrad degree in English and women's studies from Keene State College. Kate and her husband are active foster parents for teens and live in North College Park with their rescue dog. She enjoys gardening, shopping at the wonderful Hollywood Farmer's Market around the corner from my house. Yes. <laughs> and <Yeah>. most importantly, <laughs> the most important thing that she does, that she loves to do, is indoor cycling and posh liking and fitness. <laughs> posh.fit. Yes. I'm giving them a shameless plug. Posh.fit. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> she also enjoys yes, cooking, cooking sneaking out of the house for some non-vegan eats so let's yeah. give a warm welcome to council member kate thank you thank you so glad to be here <laughs> that's right. a great intro <laughs> so my very first question to you is this uh there's a lot online we can look up about you but can you tell the audience just one thing one thing that we cannot google about you Yeah, I am a perpetual crafting novice. You can't find this online. So what do I mean by that? I actually, I'm literally surrounded. I have watercolors down here that I started doing. I've got knitting over there. Like I can't really get good at any of this. I get it. Like novice novice crafter i'm sort of like get started with something really fun and exciting and then just it kind of goes off to the side a little bit and then you get back into it a little bit later and then you try something else and i I think it's the newness that's fun (laughs) 
Yeah, right? It's I the newness that. that I like. I made scarves for my family. No one else wants one of my scarves. You know, I made it. So then I'm like, I'm not getting any better at this knitting thing. <laughs> you know, so I'm not making socks. So we're moving on to watercolor. <laughs> That's my thing. Okay. I love nice. it. All right. So, Same. you know, I, I know there's a video that just got posted and I'm looking at that sign behind you. Is there some big announcement you'd like to make? Yes, exactly. I'm running for mayor. Yay! I'm running for mayor of College Park. Thank you, thank you. I'm so excited. I mean, I've lived here for about ten years. My husband and I have been on the council for six years. You know, I, I was telling a neighbor earlier today that as soon as I moved into the community, I went right to a community civic association meeting, learned about the association, and I, I haven't turned back. And love it, and cannot wait to talk more about what my plans are and how excited I am to be part of it. Awesome. Yeah, we definitely want to get more into what you have planned for the city. We have to get that. But first, (laughs) I want to knock out the elephant in the room. So, you know, the reason you're actually running is because a a few weeks ago, Mayor Patrick Wollyan, who we've had on this podcast a few times, he resigned as mayor of College Park just before being arrested on 56 counts of child pornography. Now, I know he was a resident in our district and, and we all attended a lot of the same events together. What was your reaction when you found out about the arrest? You know, were you shocked, angry, disappointed? Were you in the wait and see mode? I mean, what were you feeling? I, well, devastated would be the top word I would use. Um, it was it was hard to process. I'm still in many ways still processing it, right? I still don't quite, it's, it doesn't jive with the man I know. Um, yeah. With that said, with that said, I think, um, I mean, you, uh, Neo, I see the words behind you, stop, stop child, child abuse. abuse. That yeah. is the most important thing to focus on. I keep centering that. And the actions have stopped, right? Actions that he was doing have stopped, which is the most important. I've also, over the last few weeks, reflected a lot on mental health. And in particular, how could we have helped him? Because happy, healthy people don't do what he did. Mm-hmm. So how could we have helped him? Um, and also, how do we, as a city take care of each other? How do how does a mayor take care of their council, right? Because they're the leader of the council. How do they ensure that the council is functioning at a healthy level? And so I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. And actually, listening to your show, I know you all talk a lot about mental health, and, and I appreciate that. I know I have in, media, in council meetings talked about my journey with therapy, because you know, as a foster parent, that was very important for me. And, um, and people have come up to me afterwards and said, thank you. Thank you for talking about going to therapy. Thank you for the importance of that. And and to me, that is very important. And Rob, I know you talked about it a week or two ago, I believe. And so I appreciate you putting putting that out there and being vulnerable in that way, because I think we as a society don't talk about it enough. And so I do think it is really, really important. And it's a business case, too. For the city to be functioning at its highest level, we need our leaders to be mentally healthy. And so I've thought a lot about that. I have things I'm I'm percolating. And if I become mayor, that would be something that I would absolutely focus on. Uh, So the council has been really quiet. So publicly. So I do appreciate you being willing to share your thoughts. I'm curious, how do you feel like the council's handling that, though, in in terms of emotionally, mentally? You know, there have been a couple things we've gone through. This isn't the first. um, This is probably the worst. Um, We get closer every time and we get stronger every time. So I actually believe that we will come out of this stronger on the other end and I can see it happening. And so I know we're all devastated. We're all feeling those feelings, but you know, people calling me this afternoon to make sure I was doing okay. And I really appreciate that support and and we're there for each other for sure. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Alvin out of the room now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Dr. Rochelle Thompson, who's uh, been a guest host on this show, uh, and she's a psychologist, she says, yes, removing the stigmas from mental health. I love that point. Um, yeah. Has this presented any distrust with the constituents uh, with regards to the government? I think that has to do with the question about Patrick. So I'm sorry, the elephant in the room still open. <laughs> but uh, but that's, it's a great question. Has, has this presented any distrust with your constituents? Sure. There's been, absolutely. And I think everyone is responding differently. I think for some folks, this is real personal. And so that's been, that's been hard. And for others, you know, it's easier to focus on the issues in front of us, but absolutely there's been distrust. I think we've got a lot of building to do that are building back that trust. And I do think we talked a little bit about how things have brought the council together. And I do think adversity a lot of ways brings uh, people together. And so our community will work through this. I do believe that. Okay. Yeah. But thank you for the question. Doc. Okay. Elephants out of the room. We can move on. <laughs> Hi, <bud. laughs> let's let's uh, let me walking out. <laughs> let, so let me let me ask you: What skill sets do you bring to the table that you think make you a good mayor? I know you you're a fantastic council member. What skill yeah. sets make you a fantastic mayor? Thank you for that question, and and th- thank you for your assessment of my council uh, my councilness, um, my council memberness. I think the most important skill a mayor needs to have is the ability to facilitate. The conversation so that mayor doesn't actually have a vote. They just preside over the meeting and bring people together to have those conversations around what issues are important. So to me, the most important skill, and it's a skill that I believe I, I have in abundance of, is the ability to facilitate that conversation, both amongst the council and then also with the staff and the community. So that I think is the number one. And I think just having a handle on what issues are important to folks, right? I mean, I've been knocking on doors for two weeks, right? And I've been hearing it and being able to synthesize all of these different issues and come up with priorities that then we as a council can take on because it's a lot to sort of figure that all out. Absolutely. If elected, um, how would you approach development in College Park? Oh, you just went right to it. <laughs> that's the question. Right. That's, that's it. You're in Ontario? You mean Ontario Street in College Park? That's where you're calling from? Because we do have an Ontario Street. <laughs> I think that might be where you're calling from. Right, well, let me, let, me, let, me, let me add on to that, actually, because, um, you know, because Patrick was a popular mayor and we've seen a lot of development in College Park, I mean, over the time. Mm -hmm. But that was mostly through a partnership with University of Maryland. And with anything like that, there's a lot of sprawl, increased traffic, construction. You know, Mm -hmm. do you plan to continue to foster that relationship? And are you uh, a proponent of the city's growth and development? Yeah, I mean, there's tension, right? There's a lot of tension we have to keep a hold of. You know, the development um, in balance with our green spaces, right, is one. And so, you know, I, I had a great conversation with a gentleman. There was a green space that they wanted to make into apartments. And there are two phases of it. And basically, short part of the conversation was that phase one was good, phase two was bad for the green space. So those sorts of conversation, that sorts of discourse is important to have around the healthy discourse, healthy discourse around different development um, aspects. Yeah, I think the city has gone in the right direction. I wish that we had more small businesses. We have some, you know, it's great to have Trader Joe's. We've got Mm -hmm. some great new development and some great new restaurants, but I would like to see a smaller business. And actually my friends um, up at Posh Cycling, great, great cycling studio. Yeah, talk a lot about studio. Um, yeah, I love that great studio. studio. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I was in the first class, by the she way. I was. was. The first she was. was. That's right. She was she was in the first, the first very thing. first. It was one before me, but I was the first class. Yeah. Um <laughs> 
the permitting process, as you know, Neo, in the city and the county is really hard. It is. And so I think one of the ways we can start help our small businesses to, to increase, because that's we've got a lot of big businesses, right? So we really want to focus on that small business is to one of the ways um, to alleviate that stress is to bring the permitting process into the city and not have it at the county level. Yeah, so that's one of the things a, we've been talking about. We had a huge struggle yeah. with permitting yeah. uh, and and. Right in the beginning, and it it pushed us back. We ended up pushing back our opening, and and it was it was a real big challenge. So so yeah. yes, please make that <laughs> a priority. That would be awesome. Yeah, there's things we want to do moving forward to make more small business more accessible. But the development we want to keep going, just you know, have the have the conversations around what's healthy and when we go too far. Yeah, and you're, um, you're I wanted to yeah, I wanted to pivot a little bit and talk about more national issues, um, kind of like the right to choose what happens to our bodies. So that's mm. usually framed as women's rights and abortion rights. And I personally know I have the right to choose whatever happens, you know, to my body personally. But I wanted to know what are your feelings on the right to choose? I will tell you my first job was at the feminist majority. Um, when I moved to DC, I worked on the March for Women's Rights to Choose, basically. I can't remember the exact title of it. Um, but absolutely I'm a huge proponent of choice. I mean, we don't deal with this at the local level. This isn't an issue that comes to us really, but we absolutely advocate when we can at the state and the national level for those for laws to keep government or out of our bodies and out of our bedrooms for sure. And I, those are things I support absolutely. Thanks. Yeah, and Maryland is a pretty safe space for the most part that I've seen. We have we don't have a lot of laws that are shenanigans, if you will. We don't have a lot of shenanigans happening. Luckily, we don't have to hold anybody account there. But thank you for the question. Uh, it's tough, I think. And not to go back to the mental health, I feel like a lot of these things weigh in us. In the last year or so since Roe v. Wade was overturned, it's rough. <laughs> Take care of yourselves, y'all. Yeah. Take care of yourselves. Mm-hmm. Especially in my state, in Georgia, and states like Florida, it is very tough. Like, and the mandates are extremely strict in regard to even like abortion pills or or Plan B contraception, things like that. So, that's good yeah, isn't there that's somebody good, who yeah. just uh, there's one state who just outlawed abortion pills? Was it Texas? I think no, it was uh, oh. Wyoming. Then I have to take a look. Oh. Somebody just outlawed the uh, abortion pills themselves. Yeah. Trying to take over. Yeah, it's yeah. frustrating. But Texas wasn't that far-fetched. Come on. Oh, no. <laughs> they they not loud altogether. So. It's on brand. On brand, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sure. All right. I've got a hypothetical for you. Um, I'm an entrepreneur in northern Ontario, Canada, looking to establish a footprint in the U.S. Sell me on College Park. Oh, I love this question. Um, well, we have the University of Maryland here. And so you've got access to a, a top 10 uh, institution that has a lot of opportunities, a lot of knowledge, right? Um, a, a huge a huge knowledge base there. We have a, what we call our discovery district. And so a lot of innovative and technology-based companies have come out of that. I don't know what your business is, but if that's something that you would uh, want to leverage, you've got that there. We also have a really great base of folks. We've got a lot of students here, our average. I should actually ask you, what is your business? Or is this a hypothetical that I'm pitching just generally? (laughs) This is hypothetical. Hypothetical. So we've got a lot of growth in young adults in this area. So if that's your business, if you want to focus on young adults, we've got a lot that are here. Our fastest growing group is under 40, essentially, which is great. We have some great new restaurants coming in, which is also fun. So you can bring your clients out to some great food at our Grill Max, some steak. And we've got an Iron Rooster coming, which is breakfast all day. So you can... uh, can, 
Finally. Yeah. Yeah. Brunch oh, yeah. I'm there. Be fun. I'm there. <laughs> and uh, Trader Joe's. We got Trader Joe's. So come on over <laughs> and, uh, and check us out. Yeah, it's been challenging to get restaurants to come in. So that's good to hear that we're getting more restaurants. Yeah. Yeah, we've got yeah, some good stuff coming in. Uh, you've got a spin studio in North College Park, so you can also um, after when 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 you're done a good day at work, you can go spin at right. uh, the North College Park. I love it. <laughs> All right, and nice. since we're talking about College Park and North College Park, one of the frustrating things I found is there's been such a focus on growth and development around the university, yeah, and not so much in the neighborhoods like North College Park. It almost feels like it's a little underdeveloped. Will we see, with you as mayor, we see more spending focused on other communities away from the university? Okay. Yeah, and I think there's an opportunity because the benefit of North College Park is that the rents here are cheaper. And so we can attract more of those small businesses, the mom and pop shops that we were talking about, mm-hmm. in places that are not downtown. And so there is a real, particularly Hollywood, which is the district that we live in that, that we're talking about with the Spin Studio, there's quite a few places there that are walkable. So there's a lot of opportunity. The, the rents are cheaper. So we could really, really create some great walkable space right in our neighborhood. I think uh, in Berwyn is another. So that, that's a great, great opportunity to do that for sure. I mean, it's my home. We also um, just redid the Hollywood streetscape, as you know, yes. um, Neo. And so building on that, we're going to have some great events that will happen there. We'll bring some folks in. So oh. it's, it, it'll be a lot of fun. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, I, that was probably the only thing that kind of bothered me with Patrick as mayor was that so much uh, focus was put on to things around the college. The streetscape is good now that it's coming in because it does bring a little more walkability to the area, more access to some of the commercial district. And so that's a really good thing. So I'm looking forward to that. It's something I advocated for as council member, as you know. And I think, too, that the development is moving northward. So that's that's part of what's going on. Yeah. Got a great question online from Aurelis Perez. Uh, let's discuss future affordable housing for seniors in our disabled population. Can you name your top three priorities for College Park? Those are two separate questions. I love it. Um, and thank you, Aurelis. Aurelis does great work in the city around our... Um, I do know Aurelis. Yeah, in particular around affordable housing for seniors, which is important. One of the projects I'm most proud of as a council member is I created a affordable housing trust. It, it brought in $15 million. Um, I was the chair of this initiative, and it's to help low and moderate income folks get housing quicker. It also is keeping them as homeowners, which is great. So phase one is to focus on folks that are new homeowners or new to the city. We also want, and this is, uh, I think, part of what Aurelis was asking. What we'd like to do as we get further into the trust is to work with seniors that want to stay in place and like see what the house may need. So some seniors may need a ramp or they may need a retrofitted bathroom, but they may not have the income at this point to do that. So could we find a way to give them that money? And then have that house come into the trust. We want um, the houses in the trust to stay home or owner occupied. So that's part of what we're trying to do. So that's one of the things. I also really would like to have us see a senior living facility 
that is more in the city. We have some, but maybe more moderate income uh, senior living uh, in the city. I think we've got some great spaces that would accommodate that. I mean, just the DC area needs more housing in general and, um, and senior housing is one of them. So that's, that is an initiative. Affordable housing is the first thing I talk about whenever I talk about my priorities. So I'm going into the second question. That was, okay. one of, that was one of my questions. And the second question is name your top three priorities for College Park. Yeah. So affordable housing. And when I talk about affordable housing, I mean, from student rentals, Mm. through to home ownership, through to seniors. And it's also about generational wealth. So about promoting generational wealth. We also have some great affordable housing units that are coming in for families, um, 80% or below AMI. So lower income families, apartment buildings. So being able to stay in the community, maybe you start in these apartment buildings and then you go to the university and then buy a house and then um, are able to live. So staying and building generational wealth. That's yeah, I, I, I'm really excited about that. Another is making sure that we balance that with the green initiatives in our city. So we have a lot of great green space and we don't want to see it all go to development. Mm-hmm. I think I talked about this at the top of the show, like how do we find that balance? So that's another, yeah, preserve those green spaces. I would just want to point out that you'll notice that I'm repurposing my signs. <laughs> that's how dedicated I am to being green. <laughs> I this green marker. So that's, that's my second priority. Okay. And I'd say third, third is around safety in particular around the university, making sure students are safe going to and from campus around Route 1, which is a really tough road. And so Mm -hmm. getting on and off campus, there's a lot of great initiatives happening there. Oh, and small business. Oh, that's a fourth. Sorry. But I already talked about that. Fourth is good. (laughs) (laughs) Fourth is good. What about diversity, equity, and inclusion? This was a big issue for Mm -hmm. the former mayor. Where do you stand? Yeah. Uh, Well, couple of things. That's a big, we could fill an hour talking sure. about that. We actually this week had a great presentation from our restorative justice committee. We have in College Park, a historically African-American neighborhood called Lakeland. And the urban renewal in the 60s and 80s really decimated the neighborhood. And we are now, you know, 50 years later, coming and really trying to make right by what happened. And so we have a restorative justice committee that's looking at that generational growth, generational wealth that I talked about is part of that. I mean, it's bigger than Lakeland, but it's part of it. But also having what we're calling truth and reconciliation uh, around what did happen, talking about that and having a walking tour, having a museum and such. That was a huge initiative. That's been a huge initiative. Um, The project is continuing to grow and to continuing to flourish. And so we want to keep moving forward with that and would not want to go backwards. We just want to keep moving forwards. I also, one of the things I'm proud of I, when the committee on committees, which I think we mentioned, um, I revamped the committee structure with the purpose <laughs> to make it more inclusive because we had a pretty homogeneous looking committees uh, in in the city. And so we wanted to really be welcoming. Um, and so that was a big part of why I took on that project to create a more welcoming and inclusive place to have our committees more representative of our community. And so want to move forward more with those sorts of initiatives for sure. The College Park is a pretty diverse community. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Lisa Williams online says, I'd like to know more about how College Park can help parents and students navigate the PG school system. Oh, such a good question. Thank you, Lisa. One of the things I hear when I'm going and knocking on doors is that there's a lot of turnover in the neighborhood because people have families. And as soon as they're out of elementary school, they move on. This has been an issue for years. And so this is a big problem that we are trying to address. And I appreciate Lisa asking that question. 
one of the issues we have is that we don't have control over the school system here in the city. And so our role as a city is really to advocate at the county and the state level and to do it as much as we possibly can. And so one of the ideas I have as I was going around talking to folks, um, another issue we have here is that we have two elementary schools, but then people go off to other high schools in other towns. They don't stay here in the city. And so I think it would be great if we could have a centralized sort of like PTA Mm. of folks that stay in the city that then, um, you know, maybe their kid is in Greenbelt, which is a city, you know, Greenbelt Middle, which is a city next door, but they're still in the College Park sort of general PTA and we're able to leverage that to advocate so up to advocacy the county committee. Level. That's awesome. Exactly. That's, That's what I'd really like to see. And particularly the parents, you know, having those parents involved. We have really good, strong PTAs at the elementary school and, and, and moving it up. That's really good. Good question, Lisa. Thank you. That's a great question. If you could reverse any decision made by a previous city council, including the current one, what would it be and why? Mm-hmm. Great question. It was the big topic when I was running, and that is the non-citizens voting. So, oh, it was a mess. You can Google it, but it was it was a logistical <laughs> mess um, in that the majority of the council supported non-citizens voting, but then through a technicality, it got overturned. So basically, we don't have non-citizens voting right now, which is a shame. And I'd like to see us at some point bring that back up again, because I do think uh, even going around talking to folks now, not everyone is a full resident of the U.S., but they care about how their trash gets picked up and the youth and family services and all the services that we give. And so having a voice in there is important. I also would like to see, this wasn't a decision that came up to the council, but I'd like to see 16-year-olds. I'd like to see the voting age lower to 16. Um, I think that's, oh, yeah, wow. I, I could tell. So actually, right? Yeah, for local elections. So this is actually a huge, my husband is, this is his big issue. And our first date, he had just advocated in Tacoma Park to have the voting lowered. And I thought, I don't know how I feel about this. And I I had to go home and research it before the second date because I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure if 16 is the right age. I'm not sure. And what I learned is that when you start voting younger, you are more likely to continue voting throughout your life. You're more educated. And so you're, and it's a habit for, it's habit forming. And if you can form that habit when you're at home, you're more likely to vote. And so that's what swayed me. And I said, yes, absolutely. Let's expand it if we can. So I'd love to see us take that on. It's not a huge priority of mine, but hopefully at some point I, I can do that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Aurelis awesome. Perez says, uh, yeah, we became the dumbest city nationally. <laughs> Immigrants pay property taxes. That's an important point to make. I mean, I think a lot of people get caught up in the fact that, you know, they're not citizens of the United States and they're immediately thinking that, you know, you shouldn't be voting for president, but they don't vote for presidents, local elections. It's for how things occur in the city that they live in, even though they're not citizens, which is an important distinction to make, you know, because I always hear conservatives complaining about, you know, non-citizens voting in local elections. And they're not really mm-hmm. getting the understanding that they're not voting for the president. They're not voting for representatives. They're voting for people to manage the city that they live in. So it's a very exactly. different mm-hmm. uh, issue. Yeah. And um, I think that we got that designation because of the logistics around it, not necessarily the decision that was made. Yeah. It was how we process and how we went about it. Yeah, no, this, yeah right. It was, it was just a matter of uh, there was a technicality yeah. that the council <laughs> that they weren't aware of. And it just seemed weird. So we're out of time. But if you can, let people know where they can find you so that they can support you and also give any final words that you have to our audience. Sure. 
kateforcollegepark.com. That's my website. You can, uh, you can contact me there. You can take a survey about what you find important in the community. You can donate to my campaign. Uh, that would be great. Um, and I'd love to hear from folks. I'd love to hear from folks, um, in College Park and across the country and, uh, and the world <laughs> in Canada, up there in Ontario. Um, I'd love to hear more uh, about your thoughts. It's a short turnaround. May 6th is the election. So it's yeah, going to happen quick, but that's I'm. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah looking yeah, forward. Reminder yeah, that, uh, it is. A short turnaround because it's a uh, they're replacing the outgoing mayor so it's a very short period was it 60 days right that they you had to 65 from when he resigned so yeah it's a special election that yeah so i should say may 2nd our early voting davis hall may 6th is the final day to vote at city hall and there'll be opportunities before that to drop off ballots and out of curiosity isn't the regular election coming up this year as well so whoever wins this will have to come do it again in November. Again in November. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so you're doing okay. that in November as well? Should... <laughs> That's the plan if All I right. win. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for joining us. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being open and honest with us about everything that's going on in your career. Look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you all. Thanks. Thank Great guests. Good right? engagement from the audience. Good Great engagement from the audience. Uh, a lot of yeah. questions online. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad some of the locals turned in to ask some tough questions. Yeah, yeah, because you know the Absolutely. locals. The locals know what's going on. <laughs> so it's actually, Heck yes. <laughs> they yeah, more than I do. Exactly. <laughs> so good questions. Good questions. All right. Well, let's get into these hot topics. Lies, shenanigans. So the banks are failing. The banks are failing. Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank both failed last week. First, let me give you banking for dummies. Contrary to some beliefs, (laughs) banks don't just hold hundreds of billions of dollars of people's money in vaults somewhere. You know, a lot of people think you have these big vaults and that's where all your money's being kept. But what the banks do is they take your money. They invest it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, they keep a little cash on hand for withdrawals, but most of the money goes to buying relatively safe investments like government treasury bills, or they take your money and give it to somebody trying to buy a car or a house. You might remember the housing crash in 2008 where banks were giving out money all willy-nilly to anyone who wanted it, even if they couldn't afford it, to actually pay it back. Now, that was different. In this case, money is really, really tight because the Fed raised interest rates a lot. And that was because of inflation. Everything was costing more. So raising interest rates makes money harder to get, which reduces demand for some things like houses and cars. Mm -hmm. Eh, But it was a perfect storm for a bank that might have been on the edge, wobbling and easy to be pushed off the edge. So here's what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley was the problem. There's been massive layoffs from Twitter, Facebook, aka Meta, lots more. And when the word had gotten out that Silicon Valley was teetering and their stock started to fall, all those rich Silicon Valley millionaires started taking, billionaires started taking out all their money all at once. (laughs) Now, like I said, Uh money's tied up in investments. So when people take, try to take money out in the billions, the bank has to sell off all its investments, as many as it can. And Silicon Valley Bank just didn't have enough that they could sell off, at least not quickly enough. Bath selling off their yeah. sa- they selling off the savings bonds. They, they were lost selling everything. Yeah, because yep. it costs because they 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 sell it off at a discount, so they lose yeah. money there. Right. So, and then the second bank ran into the similar problem, but that was driven by social media, 
and then people telling you, oh, the banks are failing, take all your money out now. And so Signature Bank pretty much failed because of that. So my question to you guys, with all these problems with the banks, are banks safe in general or should we switch to keeping cash under the mattress or is Bitcoin and cryptocurrency the future of money? Start with Robbie. The old dirty mattress. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> let's just say that banks are still giving out money willy-nilly, that they're still lending money to True. people, to risky ventures. So that's, that's a big part of the problem. They, it's still too easy to borrow money for high-risk people. But keeping your money in a financial institution rather than your home is still safer, especially when the account is insured. Mm-hmm. So that is the crux of it. The people who lost the most money are people who have uninsured uh, deposits. But typically, I know in these scenarios, they, they get nearly half of their money back or nearly all of their money back. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, two, the back to the federal government in the insurers is 250. I just want to. Yeah. I think that Bitcoin lacks regulation, and until it has proper regulation, it isn't a real contender to replace cash hard money yet. But I think that's the way we will eventually go. For those of you who are keeping an eye on things globally, check out what's happening with uh, Kedzi Swiss, the 167-year-old bank. They're the second largest lender in Switzerland. So if they... Peter, we're talking about global ramifications. Mm -hmm. Global. Wow. So there's a lot going on for sure. So, are you saying that bank um, in Switzerland is kind of like teetering a little bit, or you're saying if it teeters, like if it goes? No, they they are teetering. Yeah, they they are teetering. They had to secure loans. Uh, They had to. Yeah, basically, their stocks their stocks tanked. And now they're just trying to buy back some of their own debt. They've got other lenders and other interested parties making sure that they don't dip. I don't have too much knowledge or information, but I do know we've seen a recession before in 2008. I was about 10, 11 years old. I don't remember. And I remember that they were saying that it was going to be the worst thing ever. And and it did impact us for some years. But I think that the way that this recession is going to impact us is going to put us and to answer Neo's question, is going to push us to a digital currency because we're already on the tip of digital currency. We already use Bitcoins and those type of coins. So I think that it's not too far-fetched to, in a few years, that's not maybe one of the main forms of currency is um, digital currency. But also, too, like things that we can do. I've been researching it. We need to maybe cut back expenses we do need some cash on hand, but they don't recommend taking all of your cash out the bank because yeah. you kind of need it. Um, but keep some cash on hand. It wouldn't if you have the money, invest in some gold and silver coins, things like that. Stock up. <laughs> it's not funny. It's true. You yeah. these are these are really important things, but the old fashioned way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. So what did cause the bank run? What caused the that specific? bank run exactly like that day or that week what cho- what like, caused their, people their to stocks lit neo, neo explained it in the preamble it was basically like eight steps to yep. to chaos i mean the stock went down then people started pulling their money out and they couldn't afford to to pay their debts but yep. um 
my thoughts are, I mean, this, and I know we're out of time, but um, we shouldn't really worry too much about the banks, especially American banks. I mean, once they start going global, then sure, we may, we may have to worry. But uh, the U.S. banks are insured up to $250,000. And I think most of us can afford, most of us aren't keeping more than $250,000 in the bank. So if something does happen to one of the banks, most of us will get our money back one way or another. As a matter of fact, these Silicon Valley people didn't actually lose their money yet. Because the federal government stepped right. in and took over the bank. So they're, they're still in good shape. They, they haven't really lost any money yet. But if it does happen, and if it's a lot of banks, the federal government can't prop up all the banks like they're doing with Silicon Valley. So it will have a huge yeah. ripple effect, particularly on businesses. You know, if they just start, if, if their money's lost, and if they chose a bank like Silicon Valley and, and, and they just didn't have access to any of their money or their funds to be able to do transactions, then they fall apart. So then all of our businesses That's fall apart true. and it's going to be a, 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 a domino effect across you know the world, not just the United States. So anyway, keep your money in banks, people, and uh, start collecting cryptocurrency. And I love the, the comment online from Sherry Blaine Savory. I think we should diversify. Keep your money in more than one financial institution. Yeah. Not yes. only that, yep. diversify yep. in different uh, investments. Don't don't Big just choices. invest in one yeah. place. You know, don't put all your money into stocks. Don't put all your money into treasury bills. Don't put all your money into banks. You know, keep some money under the <laughs> the mattress. Why not? I'm not literally under because the mattress. It's, but. it's that <laughs> diversification that that helps you weather the storm because exactly. some segments of the market are losing traditionally in a bear market or in a barren economy, then other segments are doing well and vice versa. So if you are well diversified, then you, you might not be making money, but at least you can weather the storm. And last comment, Jacqueline Robinson, a run on the banks is not good for the economy. One billionaire caused a furor on Twitter and smaller depositors were nearly left out in the cold. Thankfully, the FDIC stepped in so that regular depositors had access to their funds. Yeah. Billionaires. Billionaires get scared and then everything goes to shit. Yep. <laughs> Who cares about the billionaires money? No, I'm just kidding. Is this truth? Lies, shenanigans. Can't forget well, this. Well, this is this is true. This is truly Oh, Rob, you think it's shenanigans? I'm going with truth. It's it's truth, but it's based out of shenanigans because they're not being oh, yeah. fiscally prudent. They're using fear yeah, factor. The, Talk about <laughs> people getting scared. <laughs> They're scared of the, it's true. Scared exactly. of snakes. They didn't want to jump in the <laughs> in the thing of snakes. They got yeah. nervous. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Let's get to the next topic. Okay. Gianni. You got some people who want to farm so, octopuses like cattle. Tell us more. Oh gosh. The world's first octopus farm in Grand Canaria and the Canary Islands is being campaigned against because many people believe that what they're doing is inhumane. So they're farming octopi, I believe the proper term is. It could be um, octopi or octopuses. I actually looked it up. I personally like the way octopuses sounds. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't like that sound. (laughs) But the octopi are are being farmed um, to actually be consumed and eaten. Um, many people find this wrong and humane. 
And actually, if you haven't known octopuses, you see what you're doing. (laughs) They're believed to be uh, highly intelligent, very, very intelligent. They're even known to break out of their own aquarium, which I, I didn't know that until recently. So, guys, how do you feel? Do you agree with the campaigners? Do you think that it's wrong to farm and eat octopi? Or would you eat octopus, octopi? Octopuses. I'd be good. Um, I've had calamari in the past. I will never. But calamari can. is squid, though. Uh, calamari is squid. Yep. Okay. Well, it's the same family, so similar. Yeah. Similar. Similar. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. But no, like that. Like you were saying, Johnny, cephalopods, uh, the octopi have an extremely high intelligence uh, when it comes to complex uh, puzzle solving. Getting out of their enclosures is a regular occurrence, and I mean, getting out, you know, st- small storm pipes. <laughs> getting out like a three and a four inch pipe. They're amazing. And what's really disturbing about this is that I struggle with eating something intelligent and it's a delicacy to eat some of the smaller ones live. So for an intelligent live creature to be ingested like that, I I can imagine. I mean, we're sick. I'm talking about just what they've been able to demonstrate under clinical conditions, Neil. Um, I mean, where where does the intelligence line end for you? Complex, complex puzzle solving, like to be able to breaking breaking out of an aquarium downtown and finding yourself in the ocean. Okay, that's complex. I've seen mice break out of. I've seen rats break out of enclosures. But they use different form, different capabilities. They're not using their. Okay, good. I'm gonna I'm let you finish. Go ahead. <laughs> Just the they process information on such a high level, Neo. Like they've got over 500 million neurons. Humans have in the neighborhood of 20 billion neurons, so a completely different level. Um, but environmentally, you have to stop and think about the impact on this because the farm that they're proposing is up to a million animals, a million octopuses, and these are carnivorous animals that live on fish oils and protein. So rearing them puts further risk on and pressure on an overexploited marine ecosystem. So you're eating a very highly advanced, intelligent animal. You're putting further strain on our marine ecosystem. I just don't see this as being wise, sustainable, or ethical. Okay. It's disgusting. It's but you, you, just to be clear, you eat animals. Yes. Not, not happily. But you, but you eat animals. Both of you eat animals, right? Yes. I probably won't in about two to five years. Eventually, so I'm all for animal rights. I I was a vegetarian for like 15 years, and I I used to, you know, get on people all day about eating sentient creatures. So I've been there. I've been I've been that guy. So I mean, anybody that doesn't want to kill animals for food, I love you. My problem is hypocrisy of. What I'm hearing from you guys talking about octopus are so intelligent, <laughs> I won't eat them. I mean, it, right as you're biting into like a hindquarters of a very intelligent, gentle cow. You know, I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't eat dogs because they're pets or, or I don't eat fish or, you know, I, I know some very incredibly smart fish. You know, so where, where does you, where does this intelligence level come into play? You know, they all feel pain. I, I mean, if you've ever seen, have you ever seen a cow go to slaughter? Any either of you? Hope yeah. never. Hopefully, never. I do. Um, they are keenly aware that they are about to be killed because they're lined up. 
the cow before them gets hit in the brain with a uh, a cow prod and they're killed and they and just and they're pushed into the next they are aware that they are about to be killed and they try to get out everything they can they are scared it's much like human beings being lined up in front of a shooting squad so but suddenly octopus are off limits because they're supposedly smart i feel that i feel that's arrogant to be honest with you again i'm, I not, like I'm Neil- not saying wait i'm not saying we should start eating monkeys dogs dolphins even octopus i'm saying if sentience and intelligence is your reason to not eat them then you should stop eating all animals if that's your reasoning i think it's hypocritical to eat other animals and then say oh i'm not gonna eat these because they're so smart i'm not buying that i would be all for those research dollars being sunk into developing plant-based or enhancing our plant-based um sustenance but are you going to eat because the plant-based if, substance instead of eating cows uh, red meat cows is something that i have slowly been weaning off again for uh, ethical and environmental reasons uh, because i know that producing red meat has a high environmental impact so it's not something that i like to indulge in anymore are you going to stop eating pigs? Are you going to start? I mean, because it, it, you can't just. I mean, otherwise, otherwise, it's like we go into an apocalypse, right? And then we start talking about, we start talking about, we got to go cannibalisms. Don't hang around Rob because he's going to be like, mm-hmm. no, dumb one first, the stupid one over there. <laughs> we no, 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 no. <laughs> That's who's, the stupid one. I'm eating the stupid sweet? one. <laughs> who's tender? <laughs> I think the thing is, though, Neo, if we can avoid killing more animals for food, let's try to do that. Like, we're not trying to open the palate. I mean, I'm sure different cultures have like they eat dogs, they eat guinea pigs, they eat anything with legs, anything with legs. I'm sure everywhere. But it's like that's how we all cook COVID because, you know, the wet farms. But I just feel like the, the reason why I think me and Rob. I can't speak for Rob, but it's not just about the intelligence. It's more so about the humanity of it. I don't feel good eating chicken and 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 well, stop eating and it. salmon because they're very intelligent and- creatures as well. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I'm just saying. Not I, I'm just saying hypocrisy. I eat, now I eat meat, <laughs> so I can't even. I'm not going to say I'm not. You know, I'm not going to act like you know one is better than the other because I'm. They're all very intelligent I mean, creatures. Not, but- I'm just saying. We don't need to open the palette. Right. We've spent too much time on this, unfortunately. So let's. Oh, there's some comments online. <laughs> Jose says, "Octopi, pretty incredible, extremely intelligent. Must watch my octopus teacher." Uh, she also mm-hmm. says, "Legumes and plants are my food choices oh, moving yeah. forward." Thank you, Neo. Yay! <laughs> Changed the <laughs> Thanks, mind. Thanks, Neo. Thanks, Neo. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? In, in researching this, I found that uh, although there are no pain receptors in plants. They do respond to stimuli from attack mm-hmm. and danger. They so they're, they're alive and they, they do feel something. So anyway, oh this is Truth, Lies, Shenanigans. Lies, Shenanigans. Um, this is shenanigans it's because why true. are you guys doing this? I'm saying shenanigans because you guys are like, I'm not going to eat them because they're so smart. <laughs> and it's also true because it's horrible. <laughs> right, they gotta... are smart, Neo. <laughs> got to get this last one in. Let's go. All right. <laughs> All right. Robbie, vinyls, talk about it. Yeah. So according to the RIAA, the Recording Industry Association of America's annual revenue report, 
vinyl records outsold CDs last year for the first time since 1987. <laughs> so this trend is happening in North America, UK, Europe. This is happening globally. It's amazing. So vinyl record sales have steadily increased over the last 16 years, according to the RIAA report uh, that was published just Thursday. Uh, and now accounts for 71% of all physical music format revenue. So what's your take on the resurgence of vinyl records and what's in your collection? I love it. Johnny, go ahead. It's a new era. It's a new era. It's a new time. Um, but the article said it best, I think, because the lack of concerts, the lack of like physical interaction and festivals and things like that. There's a lot of weird stuff that's been going on. Like, remember the Travis Scott thing and people dying at concerts. There's just, it's just the resurgence of that old school, like living at home. <laughs> I mean, being at home and listening to like live music or listening to music on vinyl. I think that's just coming back. Um, but I know <laughs> Rob, I love the collection, but I, I know that, um, a lot of places that I've cleaned at, like Airbnbs that I've cleaned at, they actually have a lot of record players at each of those Airbnbs, and they actually do get used. So, yeah, I believe that this is happening. I'm going to get one. I told you guys that, too. Yeah, I used to have a lot nice. of uh, vinyl records, but um, I do. St- I have a box of vinyl records. When I cle- cleared out my grandmother's home after she died, I got a bunch of vinyl records from there. But to, to your oh, question... Nice. CD sales dropping is not surprising because it's really only old people buying them, right? <laughs> so, but for vinyl to stay relevant for so long, let me, it's, it's really yeah. mostly due to hip hop, right? To DJs, really? right? And Mr. Theodore that. Livingston, better known as their grand wizard who invented scratching. There's no other way nice. to authentically recreate the sound of scratching and perform needle drops. DJs still nice. do it to this day. You can't do it digitally, do. and you certainly can't do it using CDs. I mean, let's be honest. So, and then each record, each record you use makes a very unique sound. So it's a very unique sound. Wow. It's, it's something that cannot be duplicated. It's an art form. So, I mean, that's the reason it's stuck around so long. And now, since it's stuck around so long, there's a resurgence that's happening in vinyls because it's, it's, it's a really interesting, it's a very different sound that comes from vinyl. So I'm not surprised it's at beautiful. it at all. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there, there are a few factors that are really driving it. Because audiophiles claim that vinyl provides a warmer, more authentic sound compared to digital. But yeah. that's subjective. Um, nostalgia, for those who lived through the golden age of vinyl, Gen Z is really driving sales. like Because wow. they praise that the format is tangible. And they appreciate the artwork. When you grow up in this digital era... You never own anything. So they value that owning a piece ah. of something, right? And to really sure. back that up, the top five albums of 2022 were Taylor Swift's Midnight's, Harry Styles, Harry's, Harry's no House, Olivia Rodrigo, Sour, Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid. But at number five, yes. Fleetwood Mac, Rumors, has endured. And I bought that in 2022 for Joe for Christmas. So I'm part of that. <laughs> number five baby number five i'm trending <laughs> nice right. so that would be your um that's a part of your collection oh okay well, time's up yeah i would yeah. just say that lauren but, hill would be a part of my collection lauren hill and the fujis mm, just saying that would be 
right, Jack yeah. Robinson says this is nostalgia for me. I love album covers, especially old school Isaac Hayes, Prince, Parliament, Funkadelic. Yes. Jose, yep. Robbie Rock, I have a date Tuesday after work to visit a record store. <laughs> Sherry Blaine said, oh, I miss my vinyl records. Uh, my Gen Z mm. self loves watching DJs spin records. Yes, yes, yes. Matter of fact, I was, um, when I went to Anaheim, I went down to Hollywood and they had a DJ spinning records and she was actually really good and she was spinning actual vinyl. So nice. Yeah. Wow. Give nice. it up to hip hop. Hip hop is why it stuck around so long because otherwise it would have left long ago. Hip hop hooray. <laughs> oh, hey, <laughs> ho. All right. This is Truth Lies Shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans great stuff Rob. this is some That's truth some that is the truth hip-hop truth is the mom. truth all right <laughs> <laughs> let's get to our game oh, i didn't tell you guys pre-show what we were playing huh today's game ah. is would you rather that will give Ooh, us okay. all two options we'll all say which we'd rather do and if your answer matches the most common answer given to us by the app uh, you get a point. The person with the most points wins. All right. And the winner, don't forget, always gets the final thought for the show. Let's get started. Would you rather <laughs> have a cook or a maid? A I'm going maid. with a yeah, maid. I'm going with a maid. I'm going with a maid. I can eat out once in a crazy. while. Let's see. Answers a cook. Gianni wow. gets an egg, gets a point. All right. Wow. Would you rather be the absolute best at something that no one takes seriously, or would you rather be well above average, but not anywhere near the best at something well-respected? Oh, absolute best at something that I no one takes seriously. I want to be the best at something. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, me too. Like even if, I want to be the best. Even if it's like yo-yo stuff. Okay, nobody <laughs> takes it seriously, but the best, the best performance, you go, wow. Best. That is correct. We all got <laughs> yeah. that one. All right. And not dissing professional yo-yo guys. <laughs> right, Robin said a maid definitely see everybody's agreeing with maid <laughs> but Gianni got it right so would cook. you rather yeah, have to wear wet socks every day or be allowed to wash yeah. your hair once a week or once, oh, a year? once a year wash my hair no. once a year <laughs> wash my hair once a year wash my hair once a year that's ah, easy because we're bald uh, I'm gonna have to wrap dreads or something. Mm. So which one is None. Johnny? Okay, you can rock the, um once a year. I would definitely not wear mm. wet socks every day. Really? Yeah, I can't. No. I'll die. That, wet socks. Wrong answer. Oh, we got That's it all. So, uncomfortable. so Gianni Storm is still Johnny's in the just lead. Rocking it, man. All right. Looks like online, <laughs> Jose says I would take a maid over cook, and she says wash my hair once a year. <laughs> That's what why patchouli is still around. <laughs> okay. Uh, dirty hippie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Would you rather be a giant mouse or a tiny elephant? A tiny uh, elephant. Giant They're anything. cute. Giant, giant mouse. I'm going know, with a giant the mouse. Yeah. Tiny elephant Ew. is too vulnerable. Giant mouse. Yeah, but they're giant. cute. Okay. <laughs> Me and Rob B get it. <laughs> yep. All right. Last one. We're all tied. We're all tied. Would you rather be famous but ridiculed or just be a normal person? I think just be me. I'm a normal person, I think. Um, yeah, just be normal. Famous but ridiculed? Is it 
This is an American poll, right? So everyone wants to be famous. I'm going to go with their answer. I'm, I'm going to go win, with their answer too. Be famous for ridiculed. <laughs> I'm going to say, be just be a normal person. All right. So Robbie, you're going out on a limb. I'm going out on a limb. You are correct. <laughs> you know Americans Shame. too well, buddy. You win the game. too well. <laughs> All right, let's get in some shout outs, guys. Gianni Storm. Um, shout out to my best friend once again. I'm going to be visiting her um, today, actually, tonight. In she's Kentucky? in town visiting. Oh, so, she's in town. No, my um, she's from Nevada. She lives in in Nevada, but she's visiting in Atlanta. So I'm. So you got a, a couple of best friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do. I only have two, two best friends. Two best friends. Okay. okay, that's cool. Yeah, two really close friends. Two really close girls. Yeah. All right, Robbie. Uh, my shout out is going out to Jean Bailey of Omaha. I found her when I was just scouring for news. So four times a week, this 102-year-old lady leads her neighbors at Elk Ridge Village, a senior living community, in everything from arm stretches to leg raises. She's been running fitness classes for 15 nice. years. Wow. This lady's my wow. hero. Nice. Jean shout. Bailey. All right. Epic. My shout out goes to my niece Adrienne. It's her birthday today. Mm. Love Adrian. you. Sorry I didn't make it to your birthday party yesterday. I wasn't feeling good, but happy Aww. birthday. Happy birthday. And that is officially all the time we have for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for joining us. We hope you learned something, gained a new perspective, simply had some laughs with us. It was a lot of fun today. We will be back recording our podcast next week live, as always, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The following week, we will have Mayor Pro Tem of College Park joining our show, Denise Mitchell. So feel free to join us then. Ask her a bunch of questions like you did with Kate Kennedy today. Don't forget to check out our video clips. Subscribe to us on YouTube using TLSshow.com. And look for our official podcast episodes on Tuesdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And our winner for the final thought of the day, Robbie Rod. Close us out. All right. So I've had this quote in the barrel since February from (laughs) Reverend Jesse Jackson. Never look (laughs) down on anybody unless you're helping them up. Oh, I like that. I like that. Great quote. Thank you, Rob. Great quote, Rob. Love. We love that. So thank you, Robbie Rock, Gianni. Thank you, Kate Kennedy, for joining us, Councilmember Kate Kennedy. But most importantly, we need to thank you for listening to our shenanigans each and every week. Have a great one, everyone. Have a good night. See you next week.